Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. AVS Media Papa Hotel Lima Echo November Radio Check. Papa Echo November, good afternoon, uh, read you five. Good afternoon, read you five as well, Papa Echo November. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Our email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxoneradiotv.com. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Then another network carries it 
in other parts of the world from 2 a.m. until 6 a.m. And then another network picks it up from 6 p.m. until 10 p.m. And then we carry the entire day over again, starting with you right here on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. My guest this hour is no stranger to the Exxon, E.P. Grandin is his name. We're going to be talking about close encounters with meteors, comets, and asteroids this hour. Ed Grandin is one of the world's foremost authorities on comet and asteroid impact. Ed began reporting on the Russian manned space program in 1986 for industry publications. Ed expanded his reporting to Chinese manned space program in 1992 when he broke the story of China's new manned space effort. Extracts from his reportage are currently available uh, to the public online through Mark Wade's Encyclopedia Astronautica. Ed's first and last book, Man and Impact in the Americas, is currently sold out with a few remaining copies available only to senior scientists and their students and to Native American elders. Inexpensive copies of his books are available currently uh, through public, uh, to the public through Amazon.com, and the book may always be read free of charge through Interlibrary Loan. And uh, joining me now is Ed Grandin. Ed, welcome back to the Exxon. It's really a pleasure to be with you, Rob. Ed, last week uh, there were a couple of close encounters of a very scientific type. And uh, this hour we're going to be discussing the uh, the meteorite that exploded over Russia. We're going to be talking about that meteor or that space particle. I guess it was a meteor. That No, it wasn't a meteor, was it? That came between, uh, that was 1,700 miles. That was an asteroid. Asteroid, right. And uh, it raises a lot of questions that you and I have talked about in the past. Uh, so, Ed, I'm happy you're with us tonight. We're going to start the show on the other side of this commercial break. Ed Grandin is my guest. We're talking about close encounters with comets, meteorites, and asteroids. This hour here in the Exxon. After all, this is truly a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Here's a couple of websites, Exxon Nation. If you'd like to listen to the current podcast, just go to www.exxonepodcast.com. To find out who's the who in the world of the paranormal, science of parapsychology, and, the, and all the topics that we cover here in the Exxon, go to our Exxon Directory of Who's Who at www.exxondirectory.com. And if you'd like to get our latest CD of all the music that we use here in the Exxon on our show, www.exxonradiotv.com, or you can go to amazon.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Ed Grandin and I will be talking about comets, meteorites, and asteroids this hour here in the Exxon. Don't go away. You're listening to the Exxon Radio Show with my good friend, Earthling Rob McConnell, live and around the world on Talkstar, www.exxonradio.com. 
Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. E.P. Grandin is our very special guest to this hour. We're talking about close encounters with comets, meteorites, and asteroids. And uh, E.P. is also the author of Man and Impact in the Americas. All right, let's take a look at what happened last week. We had this this um, asteroid that came very close to Earth. Now, a lot of people may say, yeah, it was 17,500 miles but that's not that far, considering the satellites that are in geosynchronous orbit are only 22,000 miles out there, Ed. Um, we knew that asteroid was coming, but I think it's more than just coincidence that the very same day of the asteroid flyby, that the meteorite explodes over Russia. Oh, okay, Rob. Uh, the uh, Well, uh we don't know. There's a February meteoroid stream that mm-hmm. appears to come in uh, on a periodic basis. A there's a, every asteroid that we've seen has had craters on it that where chunks have been locked, knocked loose, or they have loosely attached rubble. And it's quite possible that a fragment of DA14, which couldn't be seen by telescopes actually did a combo shot on the February meteoroid stream and knocked a chunk into the Earth. Wow. Yes. So how how did that meteorite over Russia slip through the radar net? Well, it came from the sun, and they, uh, so the telescopes can't see against the sun, and that's, that's how it got in. But how you about know, but how about the the radio telescopes why weren't why didn't they pick it up well they're high power a lot of them are uh, devoted to deep space communications and uh, space astronomy so that you know you have to point those things actually you have to have a pretty precise track on an asteroid before you can image it with radar as it currently sets so are, are you saying ed that if something comes at us from the sun we can't detect it and we might get smucked by something that is a lot larger than the one that uh, that exploded over over Russia. Well, fortunately, Rob, no. The uh, B612 Foundation has a, a Sentinel Neo telescope to go in orbit between the Earth and the Sun, and it'll pick up anything that most things that are coming from that direction. Now, when does that go into orbit, Ed? Uh, we don't know. Uh, there's fundraisers on this year. If you're in the multimillionaire club, you can uh, join up for the socials. So that's so we have to wait until something is done. But what happens between then and now? A uh, well, we're pretty much wide open. But uh, the wonderful thing about this is, is that we had expected for years that the first impact or warning shot would kill people. And when we saw that it didn't kill anybody, it was just a a miracle. You know, it's large, got people know that this Mm -hmm. stuff happens, you can see it, but no one was killed. And that was a blessing. The other one on DA-14, we have a, uh, those things, we've had those things happen all through our history where it comes in very close to the earth. We've only seen it, and when we've seen it, and that's only been recently after the things have passed. This one was picked up very early. So, you know, it's astoundingly good news. They're very lucky. Doesn't that concern you that here we are in this high-tech 
age of ours, and still we have a, a gap within the protective ring around this planet that, that still a meteorite can get through? Well, when I started off on this back in 1997, mm-hmm. there was nothing. There would have been no warning at all. Uh, now we're much better positioned than we were then. Uh, there was absolutely no warning for a Tunguska-sized impactor. Right. Uh, so then DA-14 would never have been spotted at all. Uh, so you know, we've come a tremendous way uh, since then. And this uh, this warning shot is likely to drop everything into place to seal the system. I want to mention Canada actually has, has paid already as a Canadian uh, for the Neosat. And that's going to launch be launched by India coming up here on February 25th. Hmm. So and that will provide a heck of a lot of protection. Tell me, Ed, what was the first thing you did after you heard the news? Well, I went over and watched all the videos that came out real time. Uh, you know, we initially gotten casualty reports, but uh, the injury reports. And so, you know, the question was, is how bad is this going to be? Then I sat and watched those and watched the entry pass. But then when you could see the videos from inside where the glass just came in Mm -hmm. and then dropped to the floor instead of going at a couple hundred miles an hour, which would have been the case had this thing exploded just a little bit further into the atmosphere, then I knew that there wouldn't be much need for eye transplants, and most of the uh, most of it was just cuts, nasty cuts and minor cuts. So it was it was a really good feeling when I saw that. And then I went out and got a pizza and went to sleep because it'd be time until the circuit of analysis really started up. Okay, so so what happens next? Um, how do you know, what is the next step that the scientific community takes? Well, I uh, woke up later that evening, got congratulatory calls, which was nice, because uh, I've been at this for so long. And then a, uh, the scientific analysis started up. The meteorite uh, hunters were out uh, working. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, what, what came down, where did it fall? and uh, what uh, signals we have available. The analysis of the uh, trajectories from the videos had begun. So it was, that's what happened for me next. Uh, but what is the use of all this analysis? Well, we'll teach us how to stop one of these things, or what we'll need exactly to use. The, also, the, the mechanisms, the mechanics of bolide explosions. And what you watch there, that bright flash of light, a lot of people think that what you have is a sonic boom that hit the ground. No. The, what happens is a bolide event where the front side of the impactor, and in this case you call it a meteoroid because there were meteorites from it and people were left alive to collect the meteorites. The front side of a meteoroid goes through the back side of a meteoroid, and then it, it, that's what causes it to explode, throwing off the infrared light that you saw. Okay, so the, the information that is, that is collected, let me, let me see if I've got this correct, is, due, is used in the detection of, of, these, of these meteorites? It'll be used to actually to understand the mechanics oh, of I how see. to stop them. Uh, we know how dense they are. We have a good idea of some entry paths now, and it's 
it's just really good. It's, uh, scientifically, it's very valuable because you know what you, kind of systems you have to have to stop one. Hmm. So what's going on with the Russian space program and uh, the, uh, the Russian response? Well, uh, the, the prime minister told the defense uh, ministry that, that it was their job to see that one of these never hit Russia again. Uh, it's no secret that Russia, the U.S., and China have anti-satellite weapons. Well, if you can spot one of these early enough, you can use those weapons for peaceful purposes, uh, preventing anything from hitting like a Tunguska-type mm -hmm. impactor. It's funny because uh, the same uh, the week prior to these two, uh, the asteroid and the meteorite that no one was expecting, the the Discovery Channel and uh, other other channels were start were were advertising, uh, programming that they had planned for the week that it actually happened on the Tungusta uh, event. And I you know like I find this more than just coincidental. Uh, it, well, it's an all. Uh, I don't think it was a public relations stunt by uh, any of the uh, science channels uh, to uh, promote their shows, uh, but undoubtedly they got good viewing. Uh, essentially, in this case, we, instead of having a comet chunk mm -hmm. come in, we had a stony asteroid, 10% uh, iron content, ordinary chondrite, and it just went off as just one of them things. Uh, I, I go with the theory of a combo shot, but that's just me. Was there, uh, was there any response uh, by the United States or, or NASA to the events that happened in Russia? Well, uh, Administrator Bolden gave the uh, Atlas system uh, $5 million. I'm assuming that's out of his discretionary funds, mm -hmm. his, like contingency funds. And essentially what that was was a payoff to the University of New Mexico for saying that there wasn't a comet that killed, uh, comet impact that killed 95% of the people living in North America. It was a payoff to Boz, Boslo, for taking that line when, it's, when he knows better. Uh, it's just uh, the other one that NASA did was their PAO is releasing plenty of press releases, mm -hmm. the public affairs office, so they're trying to make this go away, but it's not going to go away. They'll try and feed stories to the press, you know, here's your easy story, here's your paycheck, you know, try and move it off the front page, but it's not going to move. Hmm. So do you, do you, so we can look at this as a wake-up call then? Exactly, and nobody died, Which, so it's wonderful. It sure is. Ed, you and I have to take our commercial break with the news. Please stand by. We'll be back uh, shortly. E.P. Grandin is our special guest, ExoNation. We're talking about comets, asteroids, and meteorites this hour here on the Exxon. E.P. is also the author of Man and Impact in the Americas. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Coming up next week, we also have a former astronaut coming on the show to talk about uh, deep space impact. Dr. Jan, uh, John Brandenburg is his name. We're going to be talking to uh, the good doctor, not only about comets, asteroids, and meteorites, but the present-day space program and what's in store for us in the future. 
My name is Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon, and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. From our broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond, you're watching The Exxon Broadcast Network, www.exxon.com. XZBN.net. You're listening to the X Zone Radio Show live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, X Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll free telephone number worldwide is 1 800 610 7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www. .exoneradiotv.com Exxon Nation, welcome back. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the Exxon Radio TV show coming to you from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll free 1 800 610 7035. Email exxon at exxoneradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, exxoneradiotv at hotmail.com, and our website www. .exxoneradiotv.com And don't forget, Exonation, you can always listen to three months' worth of podcasts, or they're available on Apple iTunes as well, at uh, www.exzonepodcast.com and to check out who's the who in the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology, check out our online directory at www.exxonedirectory.com Dot com And uh, coming in the middle of March, I am told, the printed version will be available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and bookstores everywhere. E.P. Grandine is my guest this hour. We're talking about close encounters with comets, meteorites, and asteroids. And uh, Ed is uh, one of the world's foremost authorities on comet and asteroid impact. He's also the author of Man and Impact in the Americas. And Ed, it's always great having you on the show. Um, when we look at the space projects and uh, what's going on, I had a gentleman on the show, and I am so happy you're with me tonight because I, I wanted to talk to you about his claims. Um, his, his name is Dr. Miller, and he claims to have worked at NASA. And he told me on air that the United States and Russia had... A had already done missions to Mars prior to the Apollo project. 
Now, uh, I, I don't believe him. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yes, I'm, you're right in that. The uh, Russians originally had planned for what they called a Tojoli Mesh Klonetti Karabal, and you'll have to excuse me since my stroke, my Russian isn't that good. My God, Essentially, it was a heavy interplanetary spacecraft. They mm-hmm. had actually planned to send that around Mars and Venus before they entered into the competition to land a man on the moon. And when Kennedy brought that up, actually shortly there, it was uh, 1964, Khrushchev said, we're not going with the Tojoli Mezhplanyeti Karabal, the heavy mm-hmm. interplanetary spacecraft. We're going to land a man on the moon. So actually they would have gone to Mars then, uh, uh, actually the orbit of Mars back in the early 60s, um, late 60s, excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, but Khrushchev changed his mind, so... Well, he had other things on his mind, you know, with with uh, with Kennedy, who was really starting to put the screws to to Russia, and uh, you know, I, I'm just th- I just thank God that things worked out the way they did, and I, it's you know, it's nice to see the the two Cold War combatants who are now working on peace missions. Yes, it is. It's wow. a very good thing. Um, there's been all the Discovery Channel and EQHD have a number of IMAX shows based on our space project. And and I'm for anyone who's listening, if you get EQ or Discovery, check out the IMAX features. They are fascinating. Um, it, it's you know when you watch something in high definition that was shot in IMAX, the crystal clarity and the imagery is just beyond belief. And um, what is the next step in manned spaceflight? Well, uh, you know, President Obama had called for a mission to an asteroid. Uh, then, of course, you have to find the asteroid mm-hmm. that you want to visit uh, beforehand, and that was preliminary to sending men to Mars. Uh, yeah, we'll just see how things work through the current budget crisis. The, uh, that's all we can do. The, uh, they, it's quite expensive uh, the way they've got it set up, and the question is, is, is there cheaper mm-hmm. and better ways of doing it? Can the price cost be split internationally? So we'll just see what happens. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was reading an article where a number of companies are really giving serious thought to, uh, to space mining now because they understand, based on the findings of other, of other missions, that there is... There's uh, so much that can be mined on asteroids. Well, a, a lot of that is proprietary, and I can't really share it. Uh, I will say that uh, planetary resources, uh, you know, it has the lead in this uh, ahead of deep space industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, I think uh, they they had proposed, planetary resources had proposed a series of satellites uh, like Kansas, NEO satellites, so that would be kind of a pathfinder for that industry. And the other thing is, is that Canada may have a market for selling more copies of the NEOSAT. Really, eh? Yes. Now, the, uh, we were talking briefly about the NEOSAT uh, prior to the, the news, and uh, is the NEOSAT part, uh, if my memory serves me correct, it's part of the, it's a, it's a joint venture sort of between Canada and India? Uh, it's going to be launched an Indian launch vehicle. Uh, the Polar Satellite Launch Vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, it's tricky. They got six satellites on it. Uh, so the, 
you know, the navigation and control the engines have to work, and then the payload fairing shroud has to separate, and the satellite deployment bus has to work all right. But uh, it really looks good. In fact, we're looking at uh, February the 25th, I believe. Yes, coming up uh, shortly. Which is uh, next Monday. Yeah. Wow. And that'll close a tremendous gap in the warning system. Are you going to see more and more in independent companies getting into the space business? I, uh, I don't know. I think, actually, I think SpaceX is a one-off. Uh, really, there's a lot of people that claim and will work the government machinery down mm-hmm. here. But then there's the other side that has great engineering. So I tend to think SpaceX is a one-off. I actually look for... Uh, some of our old line companies like Boeing and Lockheed to get back in with uh, lowering their launch costs and hoping that that comes about. Why do you think Boeing and Lockheed, uh, McDonnell Douglas, aren't getting into that that aspect? And Or is it because it would be a conflict of interest with their contracts with NASA? Uh, n- well, they earn a lot of money right now with the uh, launch vehicles, and they haven't had to face competition. Mm-hmm. SpaceX is providing them with competition. The amount to get the to get the launch cost down is a significant chunk of change. They're used to going to the government for that change, whether they can raise it internally out of the company funds and how much they can raise out of company funds is a, one of those questions, and I can't answer it. All right. We also talked uh, before the break about... Um B612. Tell me more about the organization. Well, it's a, uh, essentially there was a set of astronauts and they knew how bad the impact hazard was and mm-hmm. they knew NASA management really well and realized NASA wasn't doing enough. So they went decided, well, we're going to have to go to the private sector. And they've gone to the private sector and they have a nice satellite from Ball Aerospace, uh, all designed and uh, they're just trying to raise the construction money and uh, the launch money. So it's a uh, largely multimillionaires that kind of contribute to this sort of thing. So if you can, if you're in that class, you get to hang out with some astronauts, some other, some of your fellow multimillionaires. Of course, maybe there's a press discount, Rob. You can slip in the uh, side door or something, <laughs> sit in the back of the room, yeah. with a diet soda instead of a cocktail. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, well, the, uh, I don't know what the musical entertainment is going to be, but I suspect it'll be pretty good at some of these fundraisers. Now, for something like B612, why is it so hard for them to raise a mere $500 million? Uh, yeah, well, it's um, there's a lot of other charitable causes out there. There's a lot of pain suffering in the world, and there's a lot of things that uh, multimillionaires have a personal interest in. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just what they want to spend their money on. Mm. But, what about, but what about but what about but what about the the Gates Foundation? Wouldn't they want to jump on this uh, opportunity not only to help out mankind but to show the diversification uh, of the Gates Foundation and and how they're going that extra mile to help? I want to say, let me mention that B612 just started its fundraising effort, so it's. You know, if they haven't raised money instantly, it takes a little while to raise $500 million. Everybody expects Bill Gates or Warren Buffett to pick up the tab, but actually there's a lot of uh, multi-millionaires that have less than that that still would like to, uh, would probably will be donating to B612 this year. Hmm. 
even with the revisions to the tax code. Um, you know, he, there, there's always the question when it comes to to um, things going into space. Do we do we have to use nukes to to deal with these things, with dealing no. with comets or or asteroids or meteors? No, actually, for the small ones, we can use non-nuclear uh, means. The the objects are moving at incredible rates of speed. It's like yeah. oh, forty four thousand miles per hour, or something like that. And so all you have to do is set up a piece of metal in their way like a, a dummy round on a gun, you know, hollow point, and yeah. boom, it's exploded. Uh, it'll run into it at the necessary velocity. You don't have to fire anything at it. You can use just an inert mass. Hmm. Do, 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 does the United States, Russia, and China have something in place that could be used in case of, a, of an imminent deep impact? Like, if they got the word from NASA, gentlemen, in three months, we are going to be hit unless you guys can do something. Three months is plenty of warning time, yeah. they uh, No problem with three months. It's, a, uh, that's, it's always a question of warning time. We can handle anything up to the dinosaur killers if mm-hmm. we get sufficient warning. Of course, you have to use nukes on a a new standoff nuclear charge on a dinosaur killer, but they. Uh, but if we get sufficient warning time, we can handle anything. It's a question of the amount of warning time. I and once so, again, right? Canada's Neosat is going to help a whole lot with that. Hmm. Well, you know, you know, with the the new technological advancements that are made on a daily basis, I'm sure as time progresses, the ability to detect and predict as well as the, the manner that we could actually um, change the course of the, of, the, of the incoming comet, asteroid, or um, meteor should be available. Yeah, it will be. The, what it already is, if you look at it, China just did an asteroid flyby, mm-hmm. you know, and they could have easily have impacted it had it been necessary. Uh, Europe has done this before. The United States has done it before. Uh, Russia, nah, I, I don't know that their efforts have been particularly good in that direction, but uh, they're certainly uh, four leading nations. Uh, I want to say that the Europeans are going to fund ADIA, which is the Asteroid Detection and Im- or Asteroid Deflection and uh, uh, heck, <laughs> Impact Assessment where they're actually going to try and move a little asteroid. That's coming up. That's in their budget. So that probe's going to be going out. A lot of things happening in the in the manned space industry. Um, is NASA getting the necessary funding these days? Uh, NASA gets a whole lot of money, and a whole lot of it's been wasted, particularly under Bush Jr. I'm sorry, but uh, and Mike Griffin, they just wasted $8 billion on a rocket that was really crummy. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Ares one. It would have vibrated bad enough to turn the uh, astronauts' brains into milk. Ooh, that is no good. Yeah, really. Uh, you know, $8 billion, and this little design flaw wasn't caught in the... Uh, and from the get-go, you go, hmm, wait a minute here. Uh, but but you know what? 
What, Rob? It was discovered before any loss of life. We're not looking at another uh, Challenger disaster. Right, or Columbia. Exactly, you know, so thank the good Lord that it was caught before we lost any more brave astronauts. Ed, you and I have to take our final break for this hour. Please stand by. Exxon Nation, Ed Grondine is our guest. We're talking about meteorites, comets, and asteroids this hour. And as I said, Ed is the author of, let me see, come on, Ed, I'm... Man Impact in the Americas, There you go. There you go. And um, interesting topic. I'm sure that we're going to be reading more about this in the media, and I'm sure Ed's going to be with us. In fact, Ed, we'll try and get you on uh, maybe next week, Monday or Tuesday, to talk about the launch. Oh, that'd be that'd be a real pleasure. All right, buddy, stand by. Uh, you and I will be back on the other side of this break. Exxon Nation, my name is Rob McConnell. And this is the Exxon. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios. Where? Hamilton, Ontario. Yay! You've got it right. Uh, And just if you're wondering where the hell Hamilton is, it's very simple. We're on the shoreline of Lake Ontario in between Toronto and Niagara Falls, Ontario. We're smack dab in the middle. And uh, if you're coming to Canada... Drop by to Hamilton. It's a beautiful city, friendly people, and we have the best Tim Hortons coffee anywhere. Um, Ed, first of all, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to speaking to you next week about the uh, launch on February the 25th. But I've noticed, Ed, that you have a special connection with Native Americans, and I understand you have some powwows coming up. Yes, I will. I'm one-eighth Native American by descent. Uh, Rob, i got to echo here on the on the line. Yeah, I don't you, know if you're picking that no, up. No, you're nice you're nice and clear here. Okay. Uh well I'm one eighth native I'm one eighth Shawnee by descent and so and what I have in my book is a lot of Native American history. Mm-hmm. And so essentially when I go out to powwows, here's your history and it's uh, always a great experience. What happens in a powwow? You know, when people think of powwows, they think uh, the old television westerns, which I'm sure have nothing to do with the reality of them. No, it really doesn't. Uh, it's a, uh, it's actually Native Americans, people of Native American descent here in mm-hmm. the East getting together and uh, having a feast and dancing and singing and sharing their culture with uh, people that are not of Native descent. And... Um, are, are outsiders, non-Native Americans, uh, allowed to come to a powwow? Yes, a powwow is always not a ceremony. Ceremonies are closed to tribal members. I see. Powwows are for the general public and for everybody. It's, so, they're, yes, they're certainly welcome. Wow, fantastic. The, I want to mention, Rob, I'm going to be down in Natchez, Mississippi here uh, with the Nache uh, coming up in the end of March, and that's going to be a fine time. 
say hi to Dr. Borm and the uh, Natchez powwow crew down there. So you're a busy guy. Uh, very much so. Fantastic. Fantastic. Ed, we're coming up to the time where we have to say so long. What would you like to leave with the Exo Nation tonight? Uh, mainly the thought that this has been a real blessing. It's been a wake-up call uh, to humanity, and that this wake-up call is going to save millions of lives, and that's the good news. Any bad news? Uh, no, not really. On this one, it was all good. There don't even seem to be severe eye injuries, so it's wonderful. All right. Um, was, the, was there any damage caused by the, the asteroid last week? Did any satellites get smashed? Uh, no. They, uh, no, there's no sales for any of the launch vehicle manufacturers or the satellite manufacturers from uh, 2012 DA-14. So, and nobody's communications have been interfered with. Ed, uh, I want to thank you once again for joining us tonight. Always a great pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to talking to you next week uh, to discuss uh, the latest in space news and the launch. Yeah, the Neosat launch. That's, that's it, Rob. February the 25th. That's the plan. Let's see how the weather goes. All right. I look forward to talking to you. Ed, thanks very much for taking time to join us tonight. Always a, always a pleasure. Exonation, Ed Grandine is my guest and has been my guest this hour. He's going to be joining us next week. We'll be discussing the latest launch as well as other space news. Uh, he is the author of Man and Impact in the Americas. And I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back. Don't go away.